For all the parents out there, picture that it's bedtime. You and the kids have been busy all day. You know they're tired, but for some reason, they just won't go to sleep. And for this reason, I created the podcast Bedtime History. Bedtime History is a series of relaxing history stories that end with an inspirational message. With over 2,000 positive parent reviews, Bedtime History is one of the top education podcasts. Join me and listen to Bedtime History every Monday and Thursday on iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Last season on the Choosing Sides F1 podcast, we established unequivocally that F1 is the pinnacle of motorsports. We did, but honestly, I was left with more questions than answers, Tony. I'm Tony Cameron Brown, a tech, culture, and F1 commentator. And I'm Michael Costa, comedian from The Daily Show. Join us for season two of Choosing Sides F1. Our F1 102, if you will. And get all of the answers. All of them? Listen to Choosing Sides F1 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Julian Edelman from Games With Names, and we're on a search to find the greatest games of all time with the players and coaches who lived in them. Ever wonder what a locker room feels like at a halftime of a Super Bowl? Or what about the the after parties? We're going to dive deep into the most iconic games with the most iconic people. New episodes dropping weekly. Listen to Games With Names on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. Sharp Money, the big guy like that one as we welcome you in to start a new week. How we doing? I'm Patrick Maher, of course, the Prince Amal Shaw back in Vegas at the South Point. Dustin Sweetelson, aka the big guy, aka Bitter Sweetelson. I would just say this as we start anew for the week here on Sharp Money. Just stay out of his way. He is in a cantankerous. You would think that he didn't take a month off. My gosh, he was gone for the month of July. He comes back. He's pissed at everybody. I don't know Amal Shaw as they say hi to you and start a new week. There's plenty I want to get into. We're going to go through the Big 12. We've got Ryan Harris, Westwood One, talking Notre Dame. We've got Brett Coleman, who does better than anybody, talking NFL. Get to him. Zach Barnett, talking college football as well. We're going to go back to the guide, which is absolutely killing it. You can find it at slash subscribe. We've got day baseball coming up in about an hour and 10 minutes. My time, of course, the Dodgers close out the four-game set in San Diego, where they took two of three in a high-scoring series down at Petco over the weekend. And as I say hi to Amal Shaw, I don't know if you've caught on with the bitterness from Sweetelson, but it's been a little dicey as far as I'm concerned. Well, I can't necessarily completely sign off on that, but I'm sure he was feeling a little bit this way simply because his guy, Tim Anderson, we realize has a complete glass jaw. And uh, I'll tell you, if you missed that over the weekend, we'll get into it a little bit. I don't know what you're feeling on it is, but if you haven't heard the Tom Hamilton call, we're going to have it for you. I can't wait to hear it once again. Yeah, we're going to get to it in a bit. Uh, uh, that was, again, you two are kumbaya, <laughs> ebony and ivory, the Caucasian and Indian version. So That's a I great really, song, by the way, Stevie Wonder. I can't really <laughs> cause any fraction between the two of you, but I'll just say this. You know, I came back. I'm obviously rested. I feel good. <laughs> After having the month of July off, I came back thinking that the vibes were going to be great. And I would say the vibes are tremendous my way. The vibes are great with the Prince coming off of Showtime. I would say the one anchor of the outfit would be one Dustin Sweetelson. Would you like to defend yourself, big guy? Well, as the heart and soul of this show, I take offense Oof. to everything you said. Here's what I'd say. Uh, I saw a great quote, Micah Parsons. And he said... 
I would love to disappear to Africa one day, and all I can think about is since I saw that quote is "Take me with me with you, bro." I want to go to. I want to get away from everyone. Everyone's bothering me. Everyone who calls me, everyone who texts me, everyone who emails me. I don't know what it is, but every single thing that happens around me is annoying me. And I think it's everyone else. But now that I say it out loud, it might actually be me. I believe he said to me on the phone today, everybody's annoying me, including you. You're an idiot also. So nobody is spared. Everybody is on the chopping block with the big guy speaking. Okay, go, please, please. I want to hear it. I just want to say, I guarantee you, Micah Parsons and Dustin Swedelson, neither of them have been to Africa based on that statement. (laughs) How about about that duo? Can you imagine Micah Parsons? Dustin just talking his ear off, talking about his accomplishments at Valdosta, all the radio, talking about taking over programming at DraftKings. Like, Micah Parsons would freaking jump out of the car or the airplane by the time they got to Africa, if we're being honest. Fair, big guy? Shout out to Toto, though. Rains down in Africa. Great song. (laughs) That song is lit. We can't play it because of rights, but I would love to play it for the next two hours (laughs) and 57 minutes. Now, Amal mentioned, let's just have a little fun to start the show. We've got plenty to do, including, you know, I don't know if you consider them a fringe playoff contender, and that is Notre Dame, Amal Shaw. Just quickly, it's going to come down to three games, and you know it. It's going to come down to home September 23rd against Ohio State. October, they're going to get USC at home, and then they go to Clemson November 4th. That's it. Hartman's six years in. He's going to be fine at the quarterback position. They're deep at running back, wide receiver questions, new coordinator, year two of the head coach in Freeman. Uh, Fringe, we're going to get to it later, but just a quick thought. Fringe on Notre Dame as far as playoff. Uh, I think it'll be tough because you mentioned the road game at Clemson. USC, they obviously have an opportunity in that game at home, but uh, two of their three biggest games are at home. I, I'm just not buying the Irish yet. And this is part of the problem with college football right now. You look at it. We're going to include LSU in the conversation, which we already did about the SEC. The Big 12, maybe if Texas wins at Alabama, USC is a potential team. Utah, a little bit of an outlier. But I would say Notre Dame probably is somewhere between 10 and 15 in that pecking order to make the playoffs. I don't see them doing it. However, if they beat Ohio State, I think they've got a great shot. Uh, because they're going to play an elite offensive team in uh, USC. They're going to play an elite defensive team in Clemson. And then I think Ohio State's very, very good on both sides of the ball. I don't think they're elite on either side. Okay, you're going to get the Big 12. You're also going to get independent. You're going to get Notre Dame coming up here on Sharp Money. Amal Shaw, the pugilist of the three, mentioned at the onset, let's go over the weekend a little bit, and Jose Ramirez and Tim Anderson. Now, this was Ali Frazier. I mean, the way they squared up was hilarious. Both looked good squaring up. Hands were up. You know, I would say Anderson looked a little bit more confident going into it, but then just an absolutely people say it was a looping right from Jose Ramirez. And I don't know if there's a more, we're talking guardians. Now you're saying, yes, big guy, get the hell out of here. It wasn't, it was pretty straight for a baseball player, most uneducated or not necessarily sophisticated boxers. I'm all show. You know, this, they're just going to throw looping. We can get to Nate Diaz V Mr. Paul over the weekend. Most are going to throw looping shots now it was looping but it was on a straight trajectory for a baseball player and when you say that Jose Ramirez absolutely stole Tim Anderson I mean look 10 minutes after Anderson couldn't keep his footing he was on that wobbly boot like he was out there having white claws with the big guy (laughs) I'll tell you what, I I know one thing. Tim Anderson will not be on the post-retirement circuit of fighting former YouTube people. 
I mean, he went down quick. I, I couldn't believe it. It didn't look oh, dude, like. Dude, it was square on the jaw, though. I mean, that was a flush <sighs> shot I'm to looking the at the replay. Oh, you know what? He, I just saw the best angle. It, it was a good shot. I can tell you right now, if Bud Crawford hit him, Tim Anderson never gets up again. Well, the issue is, is Tim Tim Anderson decided we're going to fight. Like, <laughs> Jose Ramirez was just kind of That's what jawing. I'm saying. Can we? Out of nowhere, Tim Anderson just goes, Duke's up. Let's go. <laughs> can we give the umpire some credit? Look, he tried to play peacemaker, and he's like, you know what? Have at it, boys. I'm out. There's no reason to get to be hit as an innocent bystander here. And he just uh, properly stepped out of the way. Yo, he put the Duke. Anderson had them Dukes up like <laughs> he had school. been training yeah, for exactly. this moment his whole entire <laughs> life. And he got, I think he even had a body shot. Boom, boom, body he shot. Like the and then Ramirez. <laughs> Ramirez was absolutely falling over, dip flying all over the place. Shout to Zinn, who used to sponsor us. We'll take you back. And next thing you know, this roundhouse right. Maul, you're watching it right now to say that yeah. it wasn't square on the jaw. If nope. you get hit like like that on the jaw, you're going down. No, no, no. I saw a different angle. He definitely got him square on the jaw. Initially, I was like, I thought he took a dive. Oh. I literally thought he took a dive initially no, when no. I saw it. You no, don't have issues. You don't have issues with Ramirez putting his head down and tucking away and swinging spanky wide. Look, it wasn't that bad. Here's the rules of a fight. There are no rules. The job is to survive in advance, and he did exactly that. Tim Anderson will not be moving on to the round of 32. Well, I'll tell you who enjoyed it in a legend, Tom Hamilton yeah. on the Guardians call. He all of a sudden went to Showtime with Amal Shaw. I mean, a, a baseball, Tom, Tom Hamilton was there for a fight and a baseball game broke out. He could not wait for Jose Ramirez and Tim Anderson to square off. And here's how it sounded. Here it comes. A swing and a smash to first by the diving vaughn down the right field line. Kicks into the corner. Ramirez on his way to second. Head first slide. Safe and in the score is Jimenez. And another hustle double. Right over the bag at first. Now Hosey and Anderson square off. They're fighting. They're swinging. Down goes Anderson. Down goes Anderson. That is, that is freaking legendary. Down goes Anderson. Down goes, and he did go down, fellas. I mean, it was almost like he was out on his feet, Amal. And that's oh. when you know you've landed a solid, just flush plunge. When he's out on his face, he goes back. And then I think it was Abreu and some of Anderson's teammates that tried to like aid him off the field, but Anderson was still peacocking. That's what the big dog. That's what the big guy does when he starts talking about his coworkers to me on the phone. He starts peacocking a little bit. Anderson was still peacocking, trying to get at Ramirez. He didn't want any of that smoke. He couldn't even stand up. He could not. I mean, he was out on his feet. That was great. I'll tell you one thing though that was surprising with Anderson. You know, one of the biggest mistakes you see people in a street fight make is they never keep their hands up to protect themselves. So when he immediately threw his glove down and he had his hands up, I said, oh, this guy's got some experience fighting just simply based on where he put his hands immediately. And next thing you know, this guy goes down. I can't wait till the White Sox road game. And I w I'm waiting for the public address announcer to be like, coming into the plate, second baseman, or excuse me, shortstop. Uh, he's at second short or short, or shortstop. Yeah, he was over by second base over there. But anyway, coming into the plate, second base or shortstop. Glass jaw, Tim Anderson. I mean, that guy went down faster than I've seen anybody. Even Jose Bautista at least got squared up by Rune Odor when he took a shot. He didn't go down like this guy went down like a bag of cement when the mob drops you in the, in the Hudson.
He looked like that dude on Punch Out. If you got him in the stomach at the perfect angle, he just starts skating backwards until he just fades into the ring. You guys know who I'm talking about? I could only get past Glass. I could only get past Glass Joe. I couldn't get past anybody else. Well, yeah, it was something bull. Kevin just said it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bald bull. Bald bull. Don't forget Sona Popinski. Anytime he showed a little weakness in that <laughs> defense of his stomach, he just poked it in there and boom, punch out. D- Dustin, you, guy. Dustin, you don't appreciate how great of a pull that was right there. That's a little before your time. I had to look it up. I remember the cartoon figure. I remember Bald Bull, and he's a scary-looking dude. I I normally love these fights. I actually felt bad for Tim Anderson because it's been a bad year for Tim Anderson. He's not having a good time, and that didn't help. Although it might have helped him forget about some of it. I just love the comment I saw on social media. Somebody said, Jackie Robinson would have never gone down that easily. You two sleep on the impromptu. Down goes Anderson. Down goes Anderson. That was freaking great. Well, he's smiling a little bit. I saw him trying to Google, but it's hard to Google with cranky fingers. The big guy is back. Just a smidge. When we return, you know who's gone? U.S. Women's National Team. You know who's not? Messi. Big 12 and more. Also, day baseball. Just getting started. Sharp money. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City Featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. For all the parents out there, picture that it's bedtime. You and the kids have been busy all day. You know they're tired, but with all that anxious energy, they just won't go to sleep. This was my kids every night. But I did find that stories calmed their mind and gave them something to focus on. So six years ago, I created the kids' podcast, Bedtime History, to help solve that problem. Bedtime History is a series of relaxing history stories that end with an inspirational message. We have episodes about Jackie Robinson, Neil Armstrong, Maya Angelou, and Sacagawea. Episodes also include topics like space exploration, engineering, the rise and fall of civilizations, and major events like the Civil Rights Movement and the Transcontinental Railroad. With over 2,000 positive parent reviews, Bedtime History is one of the top education podcasts. This week, join me and listen to Bedtime History every Monday and Thursday on iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Last season on the Choosing Sides F1 podcast, we established unequivocally that F1 is the pinnacle of motorsports. Lily Herman, my co-host in season one, helped me choose a team, a driver, and then... Well, we sent you on your jolly way. Yeah. I'm Tony Cameron Brown, a tech, culture, and F1 commentator. I'm Michael Costa, comedian, Daily Show correspondent. And we're back with season two because, as it turns out, F1's newest fan is still a little... Dazed. 
Hoffman confused. Join us for season two of Choosing Sides F1 as we dive deeper into the rabbit hole of the pinnacle of motorsports. Who makes money here? What's CFD? How do you manage a tire? You, get back in there. What are the rumors? What's the gossip? But you also know that someone's listening to your radio. Uh, I'm going to pull up a picture of a tea cozy. I, I want to see what this thing looks like. Are you going to be doing that accent this whole pod? Listen to season two of Choosing Sides F1 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. You find it. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. It's football season. Can't freaking wait. And betters know that this is when the money is made. Nobody knows football like VSIN, and now. Is the time to become a VEASAN subscriber. A lot of new subscribers with the College Football Betting Guide. A lot of happy subscribers because the picks were hitting over the weekend as well. Remember, when you sign up, you get the free picks every single day. Only VEASAN subscribers get all the tools, prep for the college and pro football seasons. Sign up today for $199. If it seems like a lot, I assure you, the value will 10x. You'll receive both guides and full VEASAN access all the way through the Super Bowl. Or you can try the $19 for your first month and see everything VEASAN has to offer to up your betting game. $19? Give it a shot. I think you'll stick around. Go to VEASAN.com slash subscribe for all your options and become part of the Sports Betting Network. Got you back. Prince, Samal Shaw. I'm Patrick Maher. Dustin Sweetelson feeling a little bit better. Ryan Harris is going to join Westwood One CBS Sports. We're talking Notre Dame coming up in 14 minutes. Brett Coleman, the guy has like an absolute huge following on social. He is the NFL dude. He used to join us all the time on our old show, Big Guy, the film room on YouTube. He's going to join talking NFL. Uh, Zach Barnett, footballscoop.com, college football as well. Amal, as we were going to break, I mentioned, you know, the Pac-12 being eliminated or right now, certainly there isn't a power five and probably the conference is going to go away altogether. So, That means you now have one undisputed king of college basketball, and that is the Big 12. Pound for pound, they've been the leader in recent years. As a matter of fact, Ken Palm had the the Big 12 as far as a conference over the last 10 years. Eight of those 10 years is his number one conference to end the year. They won two of the last three national championships. Arizona's on the way. Houston, remember, is on the way. The Big 10 excuse me, the Big 12 is going to be a monster in college troops. Yeah, I've always thought it's the best conference over the last half a dozen years, and now you just add to it with the acquisition of Arizona coming in next year. You mentioned Houston coming in this year. It's going to be unbelievable. I mean, think about some of these road trips you have to go on to Colorado. I know people don't think of Colorado as a college basketball school, but Tad Boyle's done a great job there with his team, particularly at home. You're playing in altitude. Then going to McHale Center, playing at the Fog. I mean, this is going to be unbelievable. Play down at the Fertitta Center in Houston. It is going to be a – you're going to see teams from the Big 12 that have 10-11 losses getting into the NCAA tournament in conference play. Absolutely. Big guy, you didn't get a chance. We're going to – I want to start talking – because we kind of dis- discussed the Big 12 on Friday. I really want to go into Texas and Oklahoma and Kansas State. You didn't get a chance to jump in on consolidation. Did you have a minute on it you wanted to give? I just blame the Longhorn Network for all of this, and it's kind of ironic that the Longhorn Network no longer exists, but uh, none of this would have happened had that not started to get the ball rolling in, what, 2011? And now we're here because of it, and Texas and Oklahoma and the SEC, and who knows who's leading the Big 12 when those were the two teams that were the hallmarks of that conference forever, like – I don't know. I'm still bitter over it. Like, I still can't get over it. I'm still annoyed by it. 
I do think there are a lot of teams out there, though, that still haven't capitalized on the potential movement. Like, I want to see what my Miami Hurricanes do. I want to see what some of these other teams, what the plan is. I know they have to pay a lot of money to leave the league they're in. But to me, if I'm Florida State, leaving the ACC where I'm like second or third dog, I'd rather go be the king of the Big 12. And Amal mentioned having a school from that league in your state. UCF's there already for Florida State. It makes perfect sense. Go be the, the, the number one football team in the Big 12. Okay. Would you go go, no, I was just tr- thinking what Dustin said. I was thinking more SEC for the uh, Florida State Seminoles, but it well, actually makes wa- sense. I don't want to compete with the SEC. Why, though? Because I think when Nick Saban They're- retires at Alabama, I think they've got a great shot to be right there, the program that they were in the 80s and 90s. I'd rather be the king of one league than constantly clawing my way in the top three in another league. Well, Texas thought that when they went to the big, when the big eight became the big 12, they thought they're going to be the king of the hill and they didn't do anything for a long, long time. Minus one year. Do either of you have an update on Florida state? Cause I haven't heard. No, they were talking nothing, nothing concrete as of yet. No, they're trying to get that Saudi money. (laughs) I'm telling you, you guys sleep. Um, The Saudi money's coming. And I just want to say, and I think that Mr. Robbins and Mr. Mead and the whole entire crew would back me up on this. If they want to start just piping some money into DK and Devison, we'll take it. I mean, look, politics aside, it's green. Well, so let's take the. I'll stay away. No, no, you're let's good. Go but I, was just, I just want to say, listen, uh, politics is all about money. Why wouldn't we take it? Yeah, what's dirty? What's clean? I don't know. We could rinse it. Uh, Big 12 should move on. The Big 12, and again, as I said on Friday, whatever that means, because right now it's constituted of 14 teams. And the two in the top tier, Texas and Oklahoma. Big guy, can you do me a favor and get updated numbers over at DraftKings as far as the conference for the Big 12? And also, I want to know Texas's win total. I had them at nine and a half. If you wanted to go over that nine and a half them all, you got to pay a juice. You got to pay juice. So they're headed to 10 of minus one. 40. I'll say this. You and I always kill Sarkeesian, but the team on paper is there. I mean, the preseason expectations, they just never meet them, but they're sky high. But the expectations this year should be met because the team is freaking loaded. Quinn Ewers held off a challenge for the starting job in the spring. He's going to be thrown to very good wide receivers, which you can get into that huge tight end and Jatavion Sanders. All five starters return across the offensive front. You take a look at the odds in conference. Texas is even money. Is it nine and a half, big guy? I know you're sipping on that iced tea. Is it nine and a half still at 140 on the season regular season win total for Texas? Yep, over minus 140 on nine and a half. The under plus a dollar twenty. Twenty-two to one, Amal national championship. I'll ask you this way: while you go into Texas, that twenty-two to one is it worth a sniff? Meaning, is this a team bound for the Final Four and potentially a national championship? National champion with Ewers and Sarkeesian? So it's going to contradict what I'm about to say, but I don't think it's outside the realm of possibility. Um, if they can win at Alabama, I think the confidence will grow. Remember when LSU won the national title in 2019? They had that great win, I think 45-38 or 38-31 in Austin on a Saturday night. That kind of really propelled them the rest of the way. And I think this could be something that happens to Texas if they were to win in Tuscaloosa. However, you mentioned the nine and a half, Patrick. They've got the most returning starters back in the Big 12. They've got 15 starters back. This team should be elite offensively. They do lose uh, Bijan Robinson, but look, 
to me, when you look at this team overall, I like I like what they have. The offensive line is solid. Jonathan Brooks at the tailback position, a good sophomore tailback. He's very effective. I think this team can be very, very good. Worthy's got to be more consistent. If he's more consistent, they've got an opportunity to really do some big things. And you mentioned Jatavion Sanders. For people that are not familiar with him, he's the big he's the big zero out there. That's his jersey number. Um, and I'll tell you something. He is an absolute monster. I know everyone's got Brock Bowers penciled in as the number one draft t- drafted tight end. It's not a lock. Bowers is about 6'4", 6'5", 230. Sanders is 6'5", and 250. This guy is a freak of nature. I mean, I- I'm trying to think of like Travis Kelsey and some of these other guys. This guy's more athletic than almost anybody. Think of like Darnell Washington from Georgia. That's the comp I would make on him from an athletic standpoint. I think this team's got a chance to be elite. Can the offense be consistent, not turn the ball over? Ewers showed us he can be really, really good. He was the number one high school recruit coming out of South Lake Carroll in the Dallas area. And then defensively, can this team be good enough on the defensive side of the ball, Patrick? That's the one area I have a concern when you look at the Longhorns. But other than that, I, I think this team's got an opportunity. But the reason why I'm going to contradict myself is 22 to 1 is not a bad number on them to win the national title. However, I would not confidently bet nine and a half on them over. And I know it actually it is completely uh, opposite of what I just said. But to me, they've got some hiccup games that if the Alabama game goes awry, could cause the season to go into free fall. Made big time strides on defense last year. Yep. That stud linebacker overshone is gone. However, six starters are back. You mentioned they should be one of the better defenses in the Big 12. I, I know it sounds trite, but I do come back to the head coach. He's just never done anything. And I'm not talking personal stuff. I'm not about to attack Sarkeesian. Everybody has their demons. I just don't think he's a very good coach. And I think in a big spot, he crumbles. Big guy. He took over loaded programs at both USC and Washington and underachieved. I think you're spot on. He is the key piece holding this thing back. When you look at Texas, even if Quinn Ewers isn't a dude who takes the next step, they have so many other pieces around that should make it easier on a quarterback. If he's just really good, not this elite star people envision him to be, this team has so many pieces that if they play to their potential, they are a national championship caliber team. The problem is... I just don't trust that they're going to get the most out of everyone. You guys are absolutely right. I'm looking at Sark's career numbers. How it's the hell did great. Oh, you're being kind. And I would, these are elite programs. He's coached. And when you think about it, Washington's a great program. USC is one of the all time great programs. And so is Texas. And for this guy to never have double digit wins in a season. That is mind-boggling to me. What I don't understand is we saw at USC goes nine and four and then gets fired after going three and two middle of 2015. But Texas goes out and hires him, and I think they give him like a six-year, $34 million deal. Five and seven and eight and five. Come on, give me a break. Yeah, he went to that Saban rehab. It's unbelievable. It really is. I mean, uh, coaches across college football should have been up in arms when he got Texas. Yes. I'm not talking Colorado State. <laughs> he got. Te- I'm not talking Houston. He got Texas. That's a top six program. Sarkeesian just slides in after hanging out with Nikki. We're coming back, Notre Dame. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. Sharp Money, Amal Shaw, Dustin Sweetelson. I'm Patrick Maher, one of the best talking the NFL. You got to check out this YouTube. It's called The Film Room, but I also want to give a special shout out to Brett Coleman because 
bootleg football is where he and his boy, and I've been watching these videos, they go to these exotic locales and they just absolutely crush it. Your team is there. So again, the film room and also check out bootleg football. Brett Coleman joins us here on Sharp Money at Brett Coleman on Twitter. Now, I remember having you on our little Mad Dog radio show years and years ago and you were an upstart and now you're taking over the NFL. Good for you. Congratulations on your success. I appreciate that. Little by little, you know, just trying to get 1% better every single show. Tell me about the bootleg football setup. Now, of course, your YouTube channel is the film room, but what I love what you did, you broke down all 32 teams, bootleg football, but also talk about how you found the locales. I love how you did it aesthetically. Yeah, we were kind of doing like home and homes between me and my podcast partner. So, you know, I have my place in downtown LA. So we got the cityscape in the background and, he lives up in the Pacific Northwest, so we set up overlooking the Puget Sound, and then you know we've got another uh, one that's kind of like backed up against a forest, and uh, you know everybody does a lot of team previews this time of year, so we wanted to add a little something extra to it and try to make it as uh, visually appealing as we possibly could. What was Maul? Start with one football question to let you run with Brett Coleman joining us here on Sharp Money. When you posted the thirty-two and you got done with the team previews. Who gets the, what fan base is the nastiest in the mentions? Ooh, um, that's interesting. And I, I would say it's probably in the Giants episode, but not from Giants fans. It's from all the other NFC East fans because everybody in the NFC East absolutely hates each other. That's, that's the lesson we took <laughs> away from it this year. <laughs> <laughs> they, they care. They care a lot up there. Go ahead, Amal. Yeah, no, I was going to say, Brett, when you look at the NFC East, Dallas obviously is a team that many people are probably picking second to finish in that division. Tell us what you like about the Cowboys and what could potentially hinder them from chasing down Philadelphia and San Francisco. Well, they're balanced. You know, that's that's what really, um, you know, sets the Cowboys apart. Like they missed their starting quarterback for a significant chunk of last year. But because they still had uh, a mostly strong offensive line. Like even through injuries, they were able to weather the storm pretty well. You know, their run game more so with Pollard than with Zeke was strong. Their defense was extremely strong. So they're not just quarterback reliant, but they also happen to have a good quarterback in Dak too. And when Dak is on and not throwing really dumb interceptions, he can throw it with anybody. So the fact that they have multiple ways to win, you know, either through the air or with a dominant run game or with a dominant defense, um, it just kind of gives them more ways to come out on top. And, and we saw that play out last year with a 12-win uh, season, despite, again, missing their starting quarterback for like a third of it. Let's stay in division. A playoff team, Dustin Sweetelson's Giants last year. I'm looking at DraftKings, Brett. They're sitting at seven and a half on the regular season win total. You got to pay juice to the under. Why don't you convince me why the Giants are better than people think? Well, if you look at uh, how last season went, obviously Brian Dable kind of maximized the talent pool they did have, and and they eventually ran into a buzzsaw in the playoffs, and it became very apparent that they weren't all the way there. And to be honest, they're still not all the way there. But if we're looking at regular season win totals, and it's at seven and a half, that still seems low to me because the base that they're building off of last year is better this year. You know, they got John Michael Schmitz, who was – arguably or maybe not so arguably the best center prospect in this class and somebody who gets compared favorably to Creed Humphrey. He's going to anchor that run game, which is very dependent on having a good zone center because they run so much outside zone. 
their receiving core is deeper, even though they don't have like a true number one still, you could argue that bringing in Waller kind of acts as their number one while having a receiving core that's like 10 names deep at this point, not to mention Saquon's back in the fold. Uh, you know, you still have a great coach in Dable. The defense is fast and aggressive and added even more talent in the draft this year with Deontay Banks. Um, and there's a, a couple other young DBs that are also uh, really showing out in camp as well. Like, there's a lot to like with this Giants team. Do I think that they're as talented as Philly? No. Do I think that they're quite ready to pass up Dallas? No. But seven and a half wins on the season – feels like people are building in a regression for a team that to me only got better. And I think that they might take another half step forward this season, not two steps back. Right. I want to go out West. A team I know a lot of people like at our network is the Seattle Seahawks. Tell me where you come out on them this year. Do you think they kind of duplicate what they did last year, remain the same or get better? I love Seattle. I really do. Uh, Geno Smith played like a top 10 quarterback last year. And a lot of the things that made him good last year also translate to him continuing that pace. That was not a fluky season at all. Uh, not to mention he has even more weaponry this year because they got Jackson Smith and Jigba, who is the slot assassin that they've been trying to find ever since Doug Baldwin left them. Um, you know, the offensive line is another year older. You have a very young, but very talented tackle duo in Charles Cross and Abe Lucas that I think is a foundational building block for them. They added some interior depth along the offensive line in the draft. Defensively, they added a, an edge rusher with a ton of juice in Derek Hall. They got arguably the best DB in the draft in Devin Witherspoon. You know, just adding on to the DBs they got last year with Tariq Woolen and, um, and uh, uh, Kobe Bryant as well. Like, there's so much talent on this Seattle roster to me, if you look at the roster that they've built plus the quarterback advantage they have over San Francisco, I legitimately think they're going to win the division. So this is not just, again, a one-year wonder in Seattle. I think this is a real, honest-to-God threat in the NFC and, and somebody who could very well challenge Philly for the top spot in the conference. Nice, nice. Plus 195, your second betting favorite in division over at DraftKings for the Seahawks. Brett Coleman, the film room NFL analyst, joins us here. Sharp money. So I'm from Michigan. One playoff win since 57. Of course, I watched your video on the Lions, but let's let the audience know. Are they legit? You know, it's tough uh, because there's two answers, and it's yes and no. Uh, when Jamison Williams gets back, I think yes, because he gives them uh, a, an explosiveness or an element of explosiveness outside that they really do need. Um, and, and so, you know, week seven Lions on, I think, are going to be a different team than week one through six Lions. That being said, week one through six Lions are no slouch themselves, right? They, they still do have Jared Goff, who's playing some of the best football of his career. Uh, they have an even better backfield this year than they had last year. The offensive line is returning. Uh, you know, the defense has a lot of talent, even though it's young and developing. It still does have a lot of young talent that we really like, you know, adding Jack Campbell's a coup for them. So uh, on paper, the Lions should be good this year. They should make a push to win the division. But I really don't think we're going to see that fully armed and operational battle station until Jameson Williams gets back. Then we're going to see what the real Lions team is. 
Do they just have to survive the first month and a half without him? Brett, the Chicago Bears are intriguing 4-1 to one to win the division, but a lot of question marks surrounding this team on the offensive line and Justin Fields. What's your take? I know you do a great job of breaking down film in terms of where Justin Fields is potentially trending and now getting a number one receiver in D.J. Moore. I think Fields could very easily be the best quarterback in the division. Um, there's a lot on tape that he has shown in terms of growth and development. Um, obviously, with the pass protection issues and with the lack of weaponry, they had to lean on his legs a lot more than they wanted to and a lot more than even Justin wanted to. You know, he wants to sit back there and sling it. But he just didn't have the dudes to throw it to, nor did he have the time to throw it to them. Now, you know, you're looking at drafting Darnell Wright as a top 10 tackle. He looked phenomenal in camp. Uh, they, they got what seems to be a steal in Braxton Jones last year in the fifth round, you know, potentially being a starting left tackle for them in the fifth round and a good one at that. As long as the interior stops getting hurt, which uh, has been a little bit of an issue for them over the last couple of years, and as long as Darnell Wright plays like we think Darnell Wright will, plus the additions to the receiving core, you got DJ Moore in town now. Uh, Tyler Scott's been having a great camp. He's a speed demon outside. On paper, this should be a very, very potent passing game, in addition to still having that dominant rushing attack that they had last year. Uh, and, and defensively, kind of the main thing they're missing at this point is just a great edge rusher, which is why they brought in Yannick, to just give them something off the edge. But that's kind of really the only thing they're missing defensively, too. So on paper, the Bears also could challenge the Lions for the division, but it really comes down to can they build a lead on Detroit while Jameis Williams is out? If the records are fairly even after the first month and a half of the year, I think Detroit runs away with it. If Chicago can get like a two, maybe even three-game lead on them, then it could be a competition by the end of the year for division leads. Brett Coleman, NFL film analyst. you got to check out the film room on YouTube. It's blowing up. Also, bootleg football. Happy for your success, Brett. Keep it going. We'll talk to you during the regular season, okay? Thanks for having me on. Thank okay, you. at Brett Coleman on Twitter. A couple of things I want to come back and discuss from what he said. Then also we're going to get back into the Big 12. The big guy wants to go Oklahoma. Boomer sooner, crabby. Char money. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. For all the parents out there, picture that it's bedtime. You and the kids have been busy all day. You know they're tired, but with all that anxious energy, they just won't go to sleep. This was my kids every night. But I did find that stories calmed their mind and gave them something to focus on. 
So six years ago, I created the kids' podcast, Bedtime History, to help solve that problem. Bedtime History is a series of relaxing history stories that end with an inspirational message. We have episodes about Jackie Robinson, Neil Armstrong, Maya Angelou, and Sacagawea. Episodes also include topics like space exploration, engineering, the rise and fall of civilizations, and major events like the Civil Rights Movement and the Transcontinental Railroad. With over 2,000 positive parent reviews, Bedtime History is one of the top education podcasts. This week, join me and listen to Bedtime History every Monday and Thursday on iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Last season on the Choosing Sides F1 podcast, we established unequivocally that F1 is the pinnacle of motorsports. Lily Herman, my co-host in season one, helped me choose a team, a driver, and then... Well, we sent you on your jolly way. Yeah. I'm Tony Cameron Brown, a tech, culture, and F1 commentator. I'm Michael Costa, comedian, Daily Show correspondent. And we're back with season two because, as it turns out, F1's newest fan is still a little... Dazed and confused. Join us for season two of Choosing Sides F1 as we dive deeper into the rabbit hole of the pinnacle of motorsports. Who makes money here? What's CFD? How do you manage a tire? You, get back in there. What are the rumors? What's the gossip? But you also know that someone's listening to your radio. Uh, I'm going to pull up a picture of a tea cozy. I, I want to see what this thing looks like. Are you going to be doing that accent this whole pod? Listen to season two of Choosing Sides F1 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts. Or wherever you get your podcast. You find it. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. Sharp Money, hour three on a Monday, August 7th. Hope you had a nice weekend. Amal Shaw, Dustin Sweetelson, I'm Patrick Maher. This is VSIN, the sports betting network. Excited to be joined by Zach Barnett, footballscoop.com, college football writer. You can find Zach on Twitter at Zach underscore Barnett. And I think we have to start here, Zach. We'll let you have the platform as far as realignment or as it's now known consolidation across college football and college sports as a collective, just give us your overall take. Oh, I, I'm, my overall take is I'm really saddened and frustrated by all of this. You know, I, we, we all long for the world of our youth. If it was up to me, everyone would go back to where they were in 2002 before the, the ACC uh, consumed the Big East, and everyone would stay there forever. You know, I, I'm a guy that grew up on the the original Big 12. Uh, I thought that was um, the perfect conference, and in, in, in some ways it was. It was, uh, for, for a time, it was the best conference in college football, and no one seemed to be happy to be there. And to me, that was part of the appeal, is that no one really wanted enjoyed playing each other, and it wasn't this happy neighborhood. And so... Every change since then, I think, has been, uh, I guess, some ways for the for it, some ways for the better, but for the most part, has been for the worse. And uh, to to see a, a proud conference that has contributed a lot to college football essentially disintegrate before our eyes, and see, you know, Oregon State and Washington State, Cal Stanford, maybe be left behind. To see you know, these student athletes put in these positions that they shouldn't have to be put in. It, it, it really bums me out. Zach, I agree with everything you said, especially the old Big 12 and some of those teams and leagues were so competitive. Um, when you look right now at the landscape of college football, 
project what you think happens with Stanford and Cal potentially, and then do Florida State and Clemson, or does anyone else make a move going forward? I mean, again, I think it boils down to you know, what moves are there to be made for Florida State and Clemson. Uh, and, I mean, I, I watched the Florida State board chair speak uh, last week. He seems confident that the Florida State would have suitors if they're able to, to rest themselves free from the ACC grant of rights. I mean, I guess we can never say never, but the Big Ten is at 18 teams now. And so, uh, I mean, shoot, maybe, maybe the answer is to, to grow to 24 teams and add, you know, Florida State, Clemson, North Carolina, Virginia, and just become a truly national conference that splits into, into divisions and it just kind of makes sense geographically just by getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Maybe that's the answer. I, I don't know. Uh, it seems doubtful given that Oregon and Washington – agreed to join at rates that are, are, are less than what Florida State will make in the ACC through the end of this seven-year contract that hasn't even kicked in yet. So, And I've seen reporting out there that the SEC, if they're in to make more money, they'd make more money playing just 10 SEC games among their 16 teams that they have right now rather than going out and get a 17th and 18th member. So I don't know, and applying logic to all this doesn't clearly – Logic is not a governor here. So in regards to Cal Stanford, you know, the ACC is, is meeting in, in regards to possibly adding them. You know, it's one of those deals where if it made sense, it would have happened a long time ago, but nothing really makes sense right now. Zach, I do believe they're going to play some football this year. So let's talk about some teams. Zach Barnett, footballscoop.com, college football writer. Right before you came on, we were talking Big 12. In particular, we were talking Oklahoma. Let's get your overview. The win total set at nine and a half Venable second year, six and seven lost a ton of close games last year. Where are you on Oklahoma? Um, you know, the, the, the operative question here is, is that they really seem to luck out schedule wise. You know, I, I kind of did my own analysis just looking at the big, big 12 preseason poll and they, they have one of the easier uh, conference schedules within the Big 12 because obviously you have, you're going to have schedule inequality as a 14-team league. Um, you know, they miss uh, K-State. They miss Texas Tech, who, who both beat them last year. Um, they're going to be improved in, in, in some areas. Wide receiver, I think. I, you know, I, I, looking back, you know, in 20 years of following this program, I can't recall an Oklahoma team less threatening at the skill positions than this one. Um, uh, they don't really have anyone that, that really scares you and demands uh, a, a double team in an offense that's kind of uh, dependent upon wide receivers winning one-on-one matchups. I think you have a lot of schools be like, all right, we can defend Oklahoma one-on-one, which nobody said in the past. Uh, defensive line, I think they'll probably be better on the edges. They're not there yet interior. And so you know, that nine and a half, I think, is a really good number because if, if they had a different schedule, then I, I think the under would be really easy, but um, you know, fate has kind of intervened to make that nine and a half uh, really tantalizing on, on either because either side of the ledger. I'd probably lean towards nine. I, I think I'd feel much more safer at them at, at nine wins instead of ten. Great breakdown of their OU in terms of the schedule and the lack of threat on the perimeter. Let's go to Texas for a second. The Horns, when you look at this team. On paper, 15 starters back. Everything should be pretty good. But Steve Sarkeesian's never won double-digit games, whether at Washington, USC, or Texas so far. 
What changes for the Longhorns this year that they get over the hump? Uh, I think I think you've seen obviously losing B. John Robinson. You're not going to replace him with a, as good of a player. But elsewhere, I think you've seen just a continual and in some ways a drastic just update uh, upgrade of talent across the board. Um, I, I think in the secondary they're going to be as good as anybody they play at wide receiver. They're going to be as good as anybody they play. Um, running back is a, is a question mark. The, their offensive tackles, the tight end are as good as anybody they play. Uh, pass rush is, is going to be a question. Um, linebackers should be really stout. Uh, I mean, I, I, I've looked at this team every which way, trying to talk myself into you know, taking the under, and I, I, think, I really think this is, has the potential to be one of the five best teams in college football. Wow. Wow. Texas. Look at that. like to hear it. How about Kansas State? Let's do, they're your third betting favorite. And just to give you an idea, there's a chasm. Texas is even money in conference. Oklahoma's three and a half to one. Kansas State's five to one. Then you get to Texas Tech, 11 to one in conference. Climb has done a hell of a job. Where are you on Kansas State? Yeah, I, I think I would go K-State as the best value play among those three. Uh, they return their entire offensive line along with probably the best individual linemen in the conference, maybe outside of Texas, is Kelvin Banks and Cooper Beebe. Um, their, their quarterback play, I think, is going to be really good. Um, Will Howard is wasn't the full-time starter last year, but I thought it was better than Adrian Martinez. Obviously, losing Deuce Vaughn, you, you can't replace a player like him. But I, I think they're the second-best team in the conference starting coming into the season. Zach, completely agree with you in terms of looking at the odds. At 5-1, to one, Kansas State, to me, is the best player. I like Treshawn Ward coming in that backfield. You mentioned he can't replace Deuce Vaughn, but we'll see what happens there. Rest of the league, who are some teams that maybe keep an eye out for having a successful season? And one other question just came to me. How does Neil Brown have a job? Does West Virginia not have the money to buy out the remainder of his contract? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that was, that was the reason he stuck around last season. And um, you have a new AD there. Um, obviously, they, they had to get rid of uh, Bob Huggins, but it, it could be time for a, an overall regime change at West Virginia with, with the new AD, Ren Baker. Uh, you know, one of his strengths, Ren, was, was fundraising. So I, I don't have the exact figure ahead of me, but I have to think if, if, you know, if West Virginia finishes in the bottom of the conference that, that Neil Brown won't be back. Um, and then let me ask you this. What, what, what are TCU's odds right now? They they are sixteen to one to win the league. Sixteen to one. I I'd probably take Texas first, K State second, and TCU third at those odds. Really? Uh, I, uh, they, yeah. They, their offense, uh, they're starting over offensively in a, a lot of ways, but I still think they could be pretty good on that side of the ball. Um, the, their tackles are back. They're going to have to replace the interior of their offensive line. Um, but uh, they've got a, a, a lot of transfers, a lot of guys that I think have the ability. Uh, you know, I can't say who's going to be one, two, and three in terms of catches on their team right now, but whoever it is is going to be good. Um, I, I think Kendall Bryles and, and Chandler Morris is going to be a good match between coordinator and quarterback, and it, it wouldn't surprise uh, – they're not going to go back to the national championship game, but – to be a top 15 team again, I think is well within their reach. And pa Patrick, they added a couple of receivers. JP uh, Richardson comes over from Oklahoma state. And then J I think Jojo Earl has the potential to be pretty decent for this team on the perimeter for TCU as well. 
Yeah, he was a guy that Alabama had real plans for. Uh, was very involved in the return game as a freshman. Injuries just kind of, you know, up, upended his career. Trey Sanders, same story for him, a, a former five-star running back at Alabama. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see if he can re, if he can live up to that, but I think he can be a solid back for them. And then a guy that I think a redshirt freshman just – Name to keep an eye on it, T.C. wide receivers, uh, Major Everhart. He redshirted last year, but he has sub-11, 100-meter dash speed, and I, I think he'll be a, uh, a name people are aware of about a month from now. Okay, Zach, just 40 seconds. We'll close out the Big 12. So just to reiterate, Texas is freaking loaded, but let me ask you this on the way out. Do you believe in Sarkeesian? That's a, that's the question. I mean, the, the one concerning, uh, the major concern is that they've had, they, they lost a lot of close games, a lot of second half leads in 2021, and then they still lost a lot of close games in 22. Uh, I I think they'll find a way to win a lot of those games. They're not going to go undefeated, but I think they'll I think they'll be 10 wins, maybe 11. Zach Barnett, FootballScoop.com's great site, college football writer. Let's get you on video. And we'll get you up during the regular season of college football, Zach. Great job. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Did a good job. I want to get him on video next time. We Guests coming on the show. We want you on video. If you're good, you stick around for a second segment. There's an incentive there. I have, you know what? I want to play the Drinkwitz com- comments as well. When we come back, we'll get you an update on the baseball too. Big guy. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. For all the parents out there, picture that it's bedtime. You and the kids have been busy all day. You know they're tired, but for some reason, they just won't go to sleep. And for this reason, I created the podcast Bedtime History. Bedtime History is a series of relaxing history stories that end with an inspirational message. With over 2,000 positive parent reviews, Bedtime History is one of the top education podcasts. Join me and listen to Bedtime History every Monday and Thursday on iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Last season on the Choosing Sides F1 podcast, we established unequivocally that F1 is the pinnacle of motorsports. We did, but honestly, I was left with more questions than answers, Tony. I'm Tony Cameron Brown, a tech, culture, and F1 commentator. And I'm Michael Costa, comedian from The Daily Show. Join us for season two of Choosing Sides F1. Our F1 102, if you will. And get all of the answers. All of them? Listen to Choosing Sides F1 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.